Here we go on the first Sunday morning in November in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. And sister station of Raiders Nation Radio, me and social media director, Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. We are, for the final time, coming to you live from Spencer's studio, also known as the Wiz Den, because as of next week, yes, it's been two and a half years, we will be back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio, where our producer, Chris Magnum Chapman, is right now producing today's show. Mags also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. This show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That is O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702 702- to 1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. And don't forget to ask about the new incredibly discounted uh, payment options on move-in ready Wedgwood homes available right now all over Las Vegas. Call 702-964-5720 for details and to get information on all the home financing options available in the state of Nevada on tap. After last night's win, the Vegas Golden Knights possess the best record in the National Hockey League. Houston Astros are world champs again. Second time in the last five years, or I should say last six years. Um, Also, UNLV football lost a tough one in San Diego. We'll talk about that. And the UNLV running Rebels are about to tip off their season tomorrow night. And head coach uh, Kevin Kruger will be joining the show today in just a little while. It is week eight in the NFL, and the Raiders are in Jacksonville. And they'll kick off in about two hours from right now. And don't place your football bets until after You've heard the scooper with today's pick and parley. That's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, uh, Residential Bank Corp. Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on your home financing options in the state of Nevada today. And Spencer, we got a big show ahead of us, man. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about sports. And we'll talk later on. I don't want to forget to talk about next weekend. But as far as Vegas, if you're a media representative, man, you've got a lot of work next week and you're going to be all over town. We'll talk about that as well. But let's get things going right away, man, with a, a great subject, and that is the Vegas Golden Knights and Night Cap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Start here, and wow, I can't believe I'm saying this again. It's been a minute, but the Vegas Golden Knights, after yesterday's win, up in Montreal, it culminated with the loss by the Boston Bruins, a tight one they played in Toronto. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights actually have the best record in 
the National Hockey League. Yes, I mean, it's way early on. Boston has one game in hand, but uh, they're a half a game in front if there's such a thing of a, as a half a game. Uh, they are a half a game in front right now for the best record in all of hockey. Mags, I got to tell you, this is really cool. It's something I don't think anyone – it's not that we didn't foresee that this team had the potential to win a lot of games to get back into the postseason this year, uh, avoiding some injuries because last year that was the one of the biggest issues, if not the biggest issue on the team. But again, you had goal, you know, you had a goalie competition at the beginning of the year. The guy who's the heir apparent to Mark Andre Fleury on the shelf for the season, and Robin Leonard, um, a guy that's never played a postseason game in his life. Logan Thompson gets the nod as the starting goaltender, and a guy who you know has got a couple years behind his belt, some NHL experience as well. Um, but uh, again, Aiden Hill, not a household name when it comes to National Hockey League goaltenders, and yet Aiden Hill is under is undefeated in five games. Logan Thompson has two shutouts already this season, three in his career uh, in 20 games last year. He had one, but who would have thought we're sitting here and talking about the Vegas Golden Knights right now with the best record in hockey? Granted, uh, what, 10, 11 games into the season, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, I, I would not have been one to predict that at this stage of the season. Um, look, there, there were some question marks coming in. I think the key right now is is the team is being healthy. But, Brian, when you watch this team play, it's it's not so much, and, and this is not going to sound, let me, let me think about how I'm going to say it here. The goalies are playing good. They're doing their job. They're doing what they're supposed to do. But the guys in front of the goalies, and that's the blue line, those guys are, are, have been playing extremely well. Look, I, I, I know everyone looks at points and, and things like that, but Alec Martinez, you look at how many shots he's blocked. It's almost double. He leads the league in block shots. And it's almost double what the second place guy is. That tells you just how valuable Alec Martinez is and was to this team. You know, him not being there for for fifty games last year that was that was brutal. That was a tough loss. Mark Stone is playing extremely well. Jack Eichel. You know, it's funny we talked about last week. You know, Jack Eichel. Um, you know, when when is he going to make his presence known? When is he going to put his stamp? Well, to, <laughs> we we talked about it Sunday morning. What does he go and do Sunday night? He goes and he 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 slam dunks on the Winnipeg Jets, and then he assists on the game winner on on Tuesday in Washington. Uh, Brian, this this team is flying high. I I I I knew Bruce Cassidy was a good coach, and I don't think Bruce Cassidy is getting enough credit for how good of a coach he is. I'll never know or understand what happened in Boston, why they, they they ran him out, because he was a guy who, I mean, the Bruins have been playing well too, but, you know, he's a guy who who certainly has a track record of being a, a successful head coach in the NHL. But, uh, Brian, the, the one thing that, that kind of bothers me is when I see people, not so much here locally, but people when, when I'm out on social media making, well, well, look at the schedule. Who have they beat? Who cares? Who cares? You play who's in front of you. It's not like the Golden Knights have any input. It's not like it's not like Bill Foley is on the phone with with the schedule makers before the season. Hey, our first thirteen games. Well, this is what we wanted. It doesn't work like that. You know, at some point they'll play. You know who 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 else? You know they'll play Colorado a few more times and they'll play. You know Edmonton and Calgary. But look, I mean, so far so good. Uh, you know the two losses have both been one goal games. Uh, Maybe the Calgary game and the Calgary game, they were up two nothing in that game. So, uh, Brian, look, this team is playing extremely well. I think they've surprised a lot of people, myself being one. I knew they were going to be better. 
I just didn't know that they were going to be this good. What what are they, 11-2, 13 games into the season? So, uh, best record in the NHL. And and look, it, it's, it's a combination of a lot of things, but... I will say that that the play of the goalies has been has been really good. Like I said, they're doing their job. But the guys who are the leaders of this team, and you know, there's a difference that I noticed right away with this team. On Tuesday night when they played the Capitals, Riley Smith was was slammed into the boards. It was a dirty hit. Right away, Jonathan Marshall still looked like Macho Man or Jimmy Superfly Snuka come flying in with with a, with his glove, and he was right away going after the Capitals player. Last night, Josh Anderson of the Cap of, of the Canadians does a really dirty, nasty hit on Alex Petrangelo. It was a dangerous, dangerous play. Petrangelo, you know, I know that you were familiar with the Chris Draper play. This had the potential to be something similar to that. Fortunately, Petrangelo got up right away. But as soon as Anderson laid that filthy, disgusting, dirty hit on Petrangelo, Alec Martinez and Brett Howden. Basically, it was like a WWE match. They came flying in. They right away went after Anderson. They let him know, you know what? That's not going to be tolerated on this team. This team is playing a very different type of hockey right now. And you can see that they are all in for each other. Just those two plays alone. It's a, it's a completely different mindset with this team right now. No, I agree with you. And, you know, that's one of the things you test the toughness and the fortitude of this team because they are winning. They're winning. They're winning, scoring a lot of goals. Uh, they, they can be physical when they, they have to be. But again, I think teams test them a little bit because you didn't see hits like you've seen the two you aforementioned hits when Ryan Reeves was part of this team. No one was going to do that, knowing who's going to come off the bench headhunting for you when you pull some crap like that. But it is nice to see them rally around each other. And that's what hockey teams do, though. When you have physicality and you get a dirty hit, usually everyone takes notice. And it's not a good idea because it really does fire up the rest of the team. This team has been clicking on all cylinders, uh, to, to part an old uh, sports cliche, but they really have been. And, you know, to see them winning the way they're winning, they're winning the close games. And they've lost a couple of very close games. As you said, Chris, the Calgary game could have gone the other way. Well, the, but, thing, the thing in those two games is they weren't the better team in either of those games. But, no, they weren't. But, you know, you know what they they a couple bounces they could have won both of those games no no question about it and and i think as as the season goes on you know the question's going to continue to be goaltending and these guys just continue to stand up and prove everyone wrong which i think it's good for them to be scrutinized in questions it adds a little bit of extra pressure and you need to be able to perform under pressure because you know i, I was just talking about this with a good friend last night at dinner that the bottom line is it, the postseason in the NHL is almost like any is, is almost different than any other postseason. The way the elevation of play goes, a, a game that is already incredibly fast becomes faster in the postseason. And neither one of these goaltenders have any experience really with the speed of the postseason in the National Hockey League. And that is going to be a big concern. So I think having this pressure and people doubting them makes them get better and prepares them for what lies ahead if the Golden Knights at some point in time don't get a season goaltender when it comes to the postseason. And I'm going to say this again now, and I'm not starting any rumors whatsoever uh, because there's no merit 
heart behind this, but you know, we're seeing the Minnesota wild, not looking like that good of a team this year. And you just wonder at the season's end as Mark Andre Fleury approaches 40 years old, if he wouldn't be looking for another team to jump on for the postseason, or wouldn't that be funny if somehow if the Vegas golden Knights, cause these kinds of things happen in the national hockey league, bring back Mark Andre Fleury for the postseason. by no means is anyone even mentioning that. But again, it's something the way the national, the national hockey league is designed. That is something you do see things like that happening. And again, if the Minnesota wild don't make the postseason, I'm sure they would be looking to let Mark Andre Fleury go somewhere where he could participate again, because that's really his only purpose left in the national hockey league would be to try to get on another team and make maybe one last run at one final Stanley cup championship. But again, that's way down the road right now. I love what I'm seeing from the two goaltenders that are competing. You haven't even gotten Lauren Brossois into the mix, which will put added pressure on guys, you know, on a guy like Aiden Hill to say, Hey, this guy at the beginning of the season, people felt when he got healthy again, would be one of the two goaltenders on the bench for the Vegas Golden Knights right now with the way Aiden Hill is playing five and Oh, how do you bench him and, and send him down to Henderson when you've got him playing this well? But then again, what do you do with Lauren Brossois? He's got a nice size contract. He's legit NHL goaltender. Do you send him down to Henderson? It is going to be interesting when he's able to suit up and play, which should be the case pretty darn soon. But again, as you talked about, Chris, Jack Eichel to play him. We brought it up last week. Jack Eichel now out front leading the Vegas Golden Knights in points. He's second in goals, tied for second in goals with five, and he's second in assists with nine, one behind the team leader, Alex Petrangelo. I mean, Jack Eichel, I said it last week, and I, I remember I said uh, apologies to Alex Ovechkin, who, by, oh, by the way, we're going to talk about in a minute here. But um, I said last week that, uh, you know, that people are saying, not us, but it was we were hearing that, that Jack Eichel, wow, he should step up more. He'd only had three goals as of last Sunday, and uh, and everyone's a little bit worried. Well, he's had two since then, added a bunch more assists. This guy, and I said it, is when he's playing his best hockey, in my opinion, is the third best player in the National Hockey League behind Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. Now, you're going to say, well, what about Nathan McKinnon? Yes, he's incredible. Is he faster? He might be a little bit faster than Jack Eichel, maybe maybe more than a little bit. But as far as the ability to handle a puck, the ability to make things happening, the strength to literally evade a defense and, and take it on everyone, I, he, he's better. I'm sorry. He just is. And uh, you know, Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, they're getting up there. I mean, Alex Ovechkin, again, we'll talk about him in a minute, but again, the third best player, in my opinion, when he's absolutely on his game is Jack Eichel, healthy. And we're seeing that right now, the incredible ability of this man to be almost jo Michael Jordan-esque at times and just decide, you know what, I'm going to take the puck. We've seen that twice this year, and I'm just going to do it myself. And there are not many players, not just now, but in the history of the National Hockey League, that can just make a decision, I'm going to take the puck, take it down, and score when you're talking about the best players in the world. And Jack Eichel has that ability. And I said last week, don't sleep on this guy. If this team wins and makes a deep run without question, Jack Eichel will be a huge part of that and needs to be. I mean, as good as this roster is, this guy is the best player on this roster. Don't make any mistake about that. He is. And of course, Mark Stone, nice to see him playing well. And, uh, and a guy that I think they're going to need again as the season wears on. But this team right now is built 
to win right now. And dirty play like we've seen a couple of cheap shots, all that does is feed the fuel and the fire for the Vegas Golden Knights. I like what I'm seeing. The sky is the limit this season. Again, goaltending is going to be a question all season long, and I hope Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill, and Lauren Brossois, when they come back, can prove everybody, including myself, wrong and say we are good enough to get the job done and help this team make a deep run in the postseason. And all that's yet to be determined, but again, right now, I don't think there's a person out there that is not really pleasantly surprised. And Chris, without question, Alec Martinez, a great point. This guy has been a steady, always in his career, one of the league leaders in blocking shots. He's famous for it. And this guy, you want to talk about guys with cojones the size of cannonballs. You get in front of a 120 mile an hour plus slap shot in the National Hockey League. All it's got to do is miss a little bit of padding. And Alex Martinez has had that happen a number of times, and yet he continues to do it as he gets into the later stages of his NHL career. Just incredible. It reminds me of Chet Lemon for years, Chris, when he played for the White Sox and then the Tigers. He would lead the league every year in getting hit by pitches and they would think well god what kind of you know what that's that's adding to your on base percentage you get on first base we don't care how you do it just get on first base chet lemon crowded the plate and he had no fear of getting hit by a baseball by some guys to throw it as hard as anybody in the world well it's the it's the ultimate team player right like a a guy like that you know you, you you mentioned the guy who gets hit by pitch the most or in, in this case, Alec Martinez, a guy who, who is willing to basically sacrifice his body every single time he's on the ice to make sure that the opponent doesn't score. I mean, it, this team, and I've always felt that the blue line has always been a strength because you have Shea Theodore, who is who is the flashy, you know, offensive-minded defenseman. Petrangelo, who is the, the consummate professional he is a, 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 a team leader on and off the ice, just a, just a good guy in the locker room, um, you know, Stanley Cup champion. Then you've got Alec Martinez, who is who is the guy who stirs the drink. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. You know, the, the amazing thing about Alec Martinez is, unless you really know about Alec Martinez's career and you've been following the NHL for a long time, Alec Martinez not only scored a goal to send the LA Kings into the Stanley Cup final when he did it against the Chicago Blackhawks. But Alec Martinez scored a Stanley Cup winning goal when he was a member of the LA Kings. So aside from being the guy who goes out there and is willing to eat 120 mile an hour, what, one pound piece of rubber every time he's on the ice, he's a guy who has a propensity to step up in massive, massive moments. Uh, obviously, Brady McNabb is a guy who who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, you know, just a, just a clean uh, guy who doesn't he he doesn't get the headlines, but but I think Vegas fans really appreciate how valuable he is. And then you got you got Nick Hague who, who scored a goal last night, the Hager bomb, and and Zach Whitecloud who I think you know Whitecloud is a guy he took the untraditional road to the NHL. He's a stand up guy on and off the ice. He's a role model for for many indigenous people in Canada, uh, obviously being a member of the First Nations and and playing in the NHL. He took the hard road to the league, and, you know, he he's just a, a, a great super guy. So this team, you know, the blue line is the strength, and and I think we're seeing the fruits of the labor of the blue line being the fact that you, you now have guys offensively who aren't so worried about what their defensive assignments are and they're able to go and play hockey again. Like, look at the resurgence of William Carlson. 
No, it's great. The entire, the entire, uh, the entire uh, production line, the Misfit line. It's great to see that Cassidy is using them and put them back together. And you can see that they really enjoy playing together, and that they've always had tremendous chemistry. Uh, real quick, again, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, two games left on this five-game road road trip. Seven straight wins for this team. Next, they've got two games. As I mentioned, they'll play Tuesday night at Toronto, then Thursday at Buffalo, then they're back at T-Mobile Arena next Saturday. Let's go ahead and jump right into it, Spence. I've been wanting to talk about this. Fact this. Fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. The power play goal Alex Ovechkin scored last night was his 787th with the Washington Capitals, giving him the NHL record of most goals scored by a player with one team. This, to me, is as amazing as almost any accomplishment in professional sports and I mean I cannot say enough about this guy and what he has done when you look at the body of work he pay he was in a tie with Gordie Howe Gordie Howe had 786 with the wings Steve Eiserman next 692 with the wings and then Mario Lemieux 690 with the Penguins putting it in perspective Sidney Crosby is not quite two years younger than Alex Ovechkin and has almost 200 less goals right now to let you know how good this guy is and uh, right now if Alex Ovechkin was playing for the Vegas Golden Knights. He would be second in points behind behind Jack Eichel. He has 11. Eichel has 14. He would lead the team in goals. He has seven. Jonathan Marcheseau has six. That is how good he is still playing in his late 30s right now in the National Hockey League. There is still, in my opinion, nobody better in the league right now today on the doorstep than Alex Ovechkin. And we don't have a lot of time, right? Cause I'd like to normally get Chris involved in this, but Chris has seen him too. Alex Ovechkin, when you stand next to him is a big man and you understand why he is able to plant himself uh, I, I, literally on the doorstep on either side. Typically he likes to be to the left of the goaltender um, face, but he is absolutely unbelievable when he is in the slot. There's just no way to stop that shot. It's a rocket. It's quick. It's off his stick as quick as it gets on the tape. And he is one of the most prolific and best goal scorers in the history of the National Hockey League. Hats off to Alex Ovechkin, still going strong at his age. And right now, if Alex were to stop tomorrow, Sidney Crosby would have to have five more 30 goal seasons to catch him. That's just insane. And he, all with the Pittsburgh Penguins, by the way, to, to take that record away from him. Truly incredible hats off to one of the greatest players to ever play in the National Hockey League. Um, and that is number eight of the Washington Capitals, Alex Ovechkin. Too bad they lost three to two to the Coyotes last night. But um, for him to get that goal and go ahead of Mr. Hockey, Gordie Howe, that is an accomplishment that is really, it is amazing to think it's all been done with the Washington Capitals. And he is nowhere close, in my opinion, to stopping. I see this guy probably playing for two, three more seasons at a still at a really, really high level. And it's really cool when uh, when you think about that and you look at what the body of work this man has put in over the course of his career. Nothing short of exceptional really is. All right, man, let's get to talking about the World Series. Spencer, Chris, um, you know, really, really cool to see Dusty Baker. The one thing I, I wanted the Phillies to win, Bryce Harper fan. I think I've mentioned on the show before, Brian Harper, Bryce's older brother, a friend of mine. I do business with him in my other life, and I love the guy. Um, I really was pulling for them, but I also had a warm spot for Dusty Baker. I don't know how you can't. Uh, Dusty Baker, some some really incredible things with this guy's accomplished. 2,093 career regular season game uh, wins, I should say, as a manager, which was the most at that time 
time of all managers winning to win their first title. It has been a long road for this guy. And after the game, I don't think anybody could have been happier than Dusty Baker. Oh, you don't have it? Okay, well, I did text you the sound. If you look, you'll you'll find it in there. But we have the sound of Dusty Baker. Uh, uh, we don't have it right now up, but um, it was pretty cool. Dusty Baker, uh, after the game, you could just see what, what a lot of people were questioning was, would Dusty Baker be um you know coming back would he find now retire i mean he's got this this elusive world championship and that's what i wanted to say after the game dusty baker basically said you know he said you know i always said if i got one i wanted to get two so let's go for two and we'll see and uh, so it sounds like he's going to come back but you know really just incredible when you look at the, the the series it was really the tale of two world series the first three games and the second three the phillies 294 batting average in the first three games um against curveballs which is really a crazy but against breaking balls they could not hit a curveball they did not hit get a base hit off of a curveball in the final three games 0 for 31 with 17 strikeouts so that's the bottom line they couldn't hit the bender and uh, they were chasing it it was really tough for them um just a really cool thing for Dusty Baker, a tough one for Philly. They had a one nothing lead in the series. You really thought after that game one five-run comeback that went to the extra innings and they won it, that, wow, that's going to be a tough one mentally for any team to get over, especially they lose that way at home. The Astros come out, they win game two, then they lose game three in Philly, and then they, they shut them out in, in, uh, in, in, game, in game four, and they never look back. And, um, you know, they figured something out. It was nice to see Justin Verlander get his first World Series victory. Highest ERA among starters in World Series history based on a certain criterion amount of starts. But uh, he was 0-6 going into the game. It's nice to see him win. I always said, you know, I don't feel sorry, Spencer, for um, uh Justin Verlander, you look at the body of work, future Hall of Famer. I don't know that he'll get to 300 career wins. He wants to, but he's got just about everything else, including one of the hottest wives in the face of the earth. And that's what I said. God kind of said to him, look, you're going to get to Mary Kate Upton, but you're not going to get a World Series victory. Well, that all ended finally yesterday, or I shouldn't say yesterday, that ended in game uh, in game five where he did get the victory in his first one. But um, hats off to the Houston Astros. I mean, since 2017, they have been the most dominating team overall in baseball. Two World Series titles, um, five you know, five uh, division titles and four trips to the World Series. Uh, pretty incredible, Spencer, what this team has done. And I don't think they're stopping now. I mean, I don't know if, J if, if JV is going to leave. I heard he's probably going to stay another year. But, um, you know, they get rid of Alex Gray. You think, wow, they lose their shortstop. But instead, they get this young kid comes in. He's as good as it gets at, at the shortstop position as a, as a rookie. And another rookie wins the AL championship series MVP and the only rookie and I'm speaking about Pena uh, to get six hits in six straight in his first six World Series games only rookie to ever do that in history uh, this this Houston team is a force to be reckoned with it is but I don't know Brian I, I can't um, the fact that they cheated I know. And, and they received no punishment like you would think if you cheated to win the World Series if your title's not going to be taken from you which it should be because they cheated there should be such harsh punishments on your franchise that you should be set back like five, ten years. They haven't had one setback this entire time since they cheated. My new cheated and win the World Series. I have the sound. Yeah. Okay. I was just meant to. I was just gonna say it doesn't. I hate it. I just. I think that they should be stripped of their prospects. 
all like they, they took, I think they took away their draft picks and find them. That's the price for cheating in a world series. Baseball has been marred with cheaters for years and years now. And it continues. Well, especially, especially the way they cheated wearing wires and stuff. It was disgusting. And no punishment you know, for it. I like AJ hinge. I mean, he's the manager of the Detroit Tigers right now, but uh, you know, there's still, I have a bitter taste. In my mouth. I was, I told you I was pulling for the Phillies. I just dusty Baker, dusty Baker was not part of the Houston team that cheated. Let's, let's make that very clear. He came out aboard after that, that whole incident. And um, he is so popular. On the other hand, Real quick, so we got to move forward. But you know, I am still shaking my head at Rob Thompson. Zach Wheeler is on his game, pitching lights out. I understand he had a poor outing the outing before, but only seventy-one pitches. He had tremendous success against Jordan Alvarez, and instead, you bring in Jose Alvarado, who Alvarez has had success with. And sure enough, he bangs a three-run homer on the fourth pitch he sees, and the Houston Astros never look back. I am blown away that Zach Wheeler was taken out of the game. If you've got runners at first and third in that position, I want my ace on the mound. And at that point in time, Zach Wheeler was the ace of the Philadelphia Phillies. And I think you let him try to get this out. He was already, you know, the bottom line is Alvarez was already 0 for 2 against him. I thought that was disappointing. But on the other hand, Dusty Baker, man, and we do got that sound now. Here's Dusty after the game. I just knew it was going to happen sooner or later. You stick around long enough and you got good teams, it's going to happen sooner or later. You know what I mean? And this is, I, I said if I win one, I want to win two. So we might as well go for two. We'll see. Yeah, pretty cool. Kyle Schwarber for the Philadelphia in the losing effort. Six home runs in the postseason. He was just a beast all season. And up until late, I mean, Bryce Harper, but in the final game, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts when they needed him the most, popped up with one out in the bottom of the ninth or in the top of the ninth yesterday when, uh, you know, he could have made it a, you know, possibly a one run game. But no, no, th- th- that guy's a superstar. I can't say anything bad about him. And of course, Jeremy Pena, what a future this guy has. AL Championship Series MVP and again became the first rookie in history to get a hit. In each of his first six World Series games. Just incredible. Guys, we're moving right along. Let's jump to UNLV football. Um, You know, I'll tell you right now, uh, you know, tough, tough loss for UNLV yesterday. They went to San Diego State, a team known for playing defense. They did. Doug Brumfield definitely had some rust on him. And it was a tight game, scoreless through the first quarter. Uh, 7-0, San Diego State had a lead at, you know, going into halftime. They traded touchdowns in the third. And then UNLV gets deep in the red zone in the fourth quarter, but they had to stick, to, they had a they, they had to settle for a field goal. And that made the score 14-10. to 10. No score in the last 11 minutes of the game. And that was because San Diego State just possessed the ball. They just literally managed the clock, and they were great at clock management and ran out the game. I know um, UNLV extremely disappointed, Spencer, with this loss. Uh, you could you could definitely see Marcus Arroyo after the game or hear him when he was talking to Steve Cofield of ESPN Radio after the game, and he was he was distraught. Um, and he was saying, no, I'm, I'm getting, you know, basically getting in the player's ass. This is not acceptable, but – it's a big loss. And, you know, everyone's saying, okay, they're coming home next week. They're on Friday, they come home, they play Fresno State. Fresno State, uh, what have they done? How about reeling off four wins in a row, including beating San Jose State, a team that uh, handled UNLV as good as anybody's handled them all season. And uh, they're coming off of a, of, a, of a throttling of Hawaii. Granted, it was at home, but a throttling of Hawaii yesterday as well. This is absolutely no give me whatsoever for UNLV. And Spencer, if they lose this game, they go from being a team that uh, 
you know, won four of their first five games to a team that now is reeling and on a bad losing streak, and there'll be two games under 500, now struggle to get to that six-win mark that they need to to become bowl eligible. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess the most... Can we really say, I know we talk about this every week, but is it really disappointing? I mean, I guess the disappointing part, if you want to pick out something from this game, would be the fact that Doug Brofill comes back and they only scored 10 points. And it seems like even when, you know, Cameron Friel and the whole company of crew came in at quarterback before, they could produce more than that. But I don't know. I guess you could say San Diego State's a little bit better than who they've been playing. But I, I never feel disappointed because the football program is an afterthought at the UNLV campus. And that's just kind of the reality of it. Now, I have seen improvements from them this year, but I feel like every year this seems to be a common thread with Marcus where they show some promise and then they fall flat for the rest of the season. I mean, they're getting worse, are they? I mean, it feels like they're getting worse. Well, the well, problem, you know, problem is they can't win. better competition, number one, that they did at the beginning of the season. Understand they played Cal decently, but, you know, Cal's probably the worst team in the Pac-12. Um, I don't necessarily say they're getting worse. I think that, you know, Doug Brumfield's been gone. Cameron Friel is not the quarterback Doug Brumfield is. Neither is Bailey. Doug Brumfield is special. Yesterday, he didn't play well, but he has been out for a while. He got it. He has to get his legs back underneath him. And, you know, how about Aiden Robinson? I mean, this kid, Spencer, over 100 yards again rushing. Uh, they said he had a bad knee. This kid has got an opportunity, in my opinion, to potentially play at the next level. That's how good I think he is. We've seen him up close. He's a big, strong running back. He's good. White is a good receiver. I think they are they are pretty well set at the skill positions right now. Obviously, defense is 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 a is a problem. But look at they held San Diego State to two touchdowns yesterday, one in each half. That's surely not too bad. So they can get after it a little bit. I do think this team has improved Spencer a great deal, and I still could see them potentially winning two more games because I think Hawaii and I think Nevada are both winnable games. Although Hawaii's on the road, easily to get distracted there, and Nevada's the rivalry game. So you know they could lose out, they could win out. Um, it's going to be a tough road to haul, and I just don't know how how the season is going to play out. And um, in, and again, it's going to be very very interesting in the final three games to see if they can get two wins out of it. Again, they could win all three, and they could they could without question lose all three, and uh, and that's that's where they're at right now. Um, we'll find out. I I, I just. Uh, <sighs> I don't want to be a naysayer, Spencer. I just think it is going to be a tough road with those three games because I think people feel that two of the three of them are at home and they're all winnable games. And like I said, based for many reasons, they're all losable games. Um, again, this team is going to go as far as Doug Brumfield can take them. If Doug Brumfield gets back into form, starts playing like he did before he got hurt, the sky's the limit. This team could win all three games and could definitely find themselves in a postseason bowl game. We we will see. Uh, but, um, you know, the fact that they've lost the last couple of games and Chris Wynn just chimed in, I agree with you. But again, look at the level of opponents. They've been on the road and the opponents are definitely tougher. The next three games, again, two of the opponents, I think they are at least equally as good as. And again, Fresno State's a wild card. They've been playing so well lately. I think that game is going to be really, really tough for the Rebels. All I, I want to say real quickly is, far as college football while on the subject before we jump over to uh coach uh, kevin kruger is going to be on with this in a second um college football yesterday a shakeup and a couple of the top teams lost again i don't think anyone's really surprised that georgia beat tennessee it was down in georgia georgia to me is the best team in the country right now they're clicking on all cylinders they have a, a plethora of experience and with alabama taking their second loss they're the team to beat as far as i'm concerned um really really tough uh, tough 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 on them uh 
to, to get that win against Tennessee and Tennessee again, I thought was exposed as I thought they kind of would be. And, um, you know, again, Alabama taking their second loss to LSU, LSU is not a bad team, but wow, I did not see that coming. I really thought Saban wasn't going to let his team lose the second game, but he's not out there playing one of the, the goat all time of college football, but you still have to win. And I think the biggest surprise of all yesterday was Clemson going down at the hands of Notre Dame that had to shock everybody. And, um, uh, man, I wouldn't want to be a player at practice this work with uh, Debo. I imagine he's going to be pretty damn upset all week with his Clemson players. Well, Spence, we all set with uh, that coach. Oh, not yet. Okay, we're going to wait for a few minutes. Coach, what do you think with college football, Spencer? I'm looking right now at the Final Four. Obviously, I think both Michigan State, no, excuse me, both the University of Michigan and Ohio State are in there. Obviously, they play each other in a couple weeks. That That's going to change right away um, with one of those two teams winning. Real tough game. It's going to be down in the horseshoe in Ohio State um, in Columbus, so it's going to be really interesting to see if um, – if Michigan can go down there and win a second consecutive game against Ohio State, a uh, boy with Jim Harbaugh, all of a sudden now they'll they'll go from looking at fire him because he couldn't beat Ohio State. You beat him two times in a row, and especially this year to beat him in the horseshoe when they're one of the nation's top teams as well. They'll start instead of firing Jim Harbaugh, they'll start about erecting a statue to Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor next to Bo Schembechler. I mean, that would be monstrous for them. But I think right now. When you look at it, you know, I, I think you, st- you still probably have up top without question the Georgia Bulldogs got to be the number one team in the country. I think Michigan's up there. Ohio State's got to be up there. And I think even with the one loss, you probably put Tennessee as the fourth seed right now because their one loss did come to Georgia at Georgia. And, it you know, it wasn't pretty, but. You know, no one else has been able to beat Tennessee, and Tennessee beat Alabama, although, you know, LSU just beat Alabama as well. Uh, interesting. We're going to be interesting down the road. I think, and I'm going to say it right now, I just don't think Georgia gets beat this year. I don't think there's anybody out there that can beat them. I'm interested to see what Michigan or Ohio State could do against Georgia, but when I've, I've seen Michigan Ohio State play a number of times, I've seen Georgia play a couple of times this year. I think it's the best team in the country. Kirby Smart's got them rocking and rolling up in, uh, you know, up in Athens, and it's going to be really hard to beat that team yeah it'll be really interesting to see how how things shake up but this is already coming up to be maybe the greatest college uh football season in as far as i can remember uh trying to think back but the amount of upsets it's just the thing that makes this season so special to me is to see the fans the fans are back we've had a pandemic for a long time and really everyone's like when did it really end there's really no like true end date but now it kind of feels that way which is a really good feeling it feels like the real like American spirit is back and, you know, there's no American spirit like football just seeing, you know, the, the kids storm the field, take the, the goalpost down to the bars and everything like that. And you see more overtime wins and losses and seeing Alabama lose is also just a great <laughs> feeling for anybody who watches college football. Yeah. You know, it, it, the same teams seem to have, since they've had the college football playoffs, it's the same teams over and over and over again. And you like to see somebody else sneak in there. Um, but, but we will, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, uh, and I know that, uh, and, and and see when TCU, no question about that. I know they're the fourth seed right now. I think when all said and done, it'll be interesting to see if they're there. I don't think they compete with the top teams. And I, I do believe, like I said, it'll be interesting to see Michigan and Ohio State play 
uh, Georgia. But but again, I just think the SEC is so powerful. They beat each other up, and um, I I still think that uh, that Georgia is the best team in the country. I think the SEC is still the toughest conference to play in. The Big Ten makes some noise, and uh, and they they play well. But again, it's going to be really really tough in my opinion to upseat a team from the SEC this season at least. And I think as time goes on, uh, I definitely want to see some more teams. But it's cool as they expand the college football playoffs in the future. It's going to get way more exciting, and that's when I think you'll see more of a an NCAA basketball type of situation where maybe you'll see an upset by, I don't think you'll see a team win a national championship, but you'll see teams like a Cincinnati upset a bigger team as time goes on. Um, Spence, anything yet? No. Okay. We're still waiting, uh, waiting on coach Kruger to get on the show um, real quickly going, going down. I guess we can start talking about the NFL and the Raiders a little bit. Uh, you know, last week um, we'll do the bones. Go ahead. We'll just roll that until we get coach Kruger on, but you know, I don't know what to say. I mean, we talked about how big last week's game was for the Raiders that, you know, they had to follow up the win over the Texans with a good, a good performance in new Orleans. It was anything but a good performance in new Orleans. I don't think the saints are that good of a team. I think they're a versatile team. They've got some unique weapons, a guy like Taysom Hill, really cool guy to watch. It's a unique weapon. They've got him listed as a tight end yet. He'll play running back. He'll play wide receiver and he does play tight end. And of course, quarterback, but it shouldn't have been the kind of game that it was. The Raiders, uh, you know, just just did not look good. And, um, you know, some some really terrible, as you're seeing some of the highlights, some really horrible passes by Derek Carr. Uh, couldn't hook up with Devontae Adams all game. I know Devontae Adams was ill last week. He had a cold, but uh, just, just no excuse to play this badly. Their defense is extremely porous. And today in Jacksonville, um, it is going to be, Really interesting, Spencer, as they go down to Jacksonville. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on my Friday night uh, mortgage real estate show. Um, what would happen? And you said you felt that the Raiders could go into Jacksonville and win this game. They're going to be without Darren Waller again. I'm 90% sure. Um, I don't know if it's been completely said yet, but I imagine he's already ruled out. I heard he wasn't going to play again. Um, not that, 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 that Moreau hasn't done a fine job in his place. Foster Moreau's done great, but Darren Waller's a weapon that they need. Jacksonville is an improved team. They've got still a long way to go, but compared to last year, the Raiders team is anything but improved. And you would think adding Devontae Adams, even though they did lose a couple of key pieces, you would have think you would think that they would be better than their record right now. And really looking at Jacksonville, I think everyone looked at this game at the beginning of the season as a, as a win for the Raiders. I said simply when you asked uh, Friday night, are the Raiders going to beat Jacksonville? My answer was one word, which it would be yes or no, and it was no. Uh, well, the one thing I want to say, because uh, Coach is on, I just want to say um... – Oh, I just lost my thought, but Coach Kruger is on, so sorry about that, Brian. Hey, let's jump right into it. I want to get Coach Kevin Kruger on, uh, getting ready to uh, his his second season at the helm of the UNLV Running Rebels. Coach, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for taking time out. I know you start the season tomorrow. Got to be pretty excited going, uh, getting ready to tip off your second season as a Rebel, the uh, the Running Rebels head coach. Hey, Kevin, I apologize. We were having some trouble with the audio. I'm not able to hear you right now. So Spencer is working on that with the audio with StreamYard. I don't know if it's uh, he'll let me know. I really apologize. Hopefully this will get figured out in a second. Um, so he has to unmute himself. 
Spencer says you're muted right now on your computer. I don't know if there's a little. Um, Spence says he can't hear you either. Coach, do me a favor, if you will. Call 702. No, not, not hearing me. You're not hearing me either. He's not hearing us, and we're not hearing him. Okay. Huh? Okay. Uh, call it, it, tell Spencer. Ta oh, shoot. See if you can send him. We're trying to get Coach. Call 702-876-1340 if he can. 876-1340, and we'll try to get Coach on that way. I don't know if uh, if Chris, uh, if Mags has his number. Maybe he does or not. If we can hook him up that way, we will. Uh, up until then, uh, we will. Um, yeah, well, well, that's possible, Spence. But anyways, um, real quickly, get back to the Raiders. I'm sorry about this guy's a little discombobulated when that happens. But back with the Raiders, as far as this game goes, Spencer, uh, you were having your say as far as what was going to happen. And I'm telling you right now, the biggest issue to me with this game is another road game after last week's loss. I don't know how mentally you all of a sudden say, okay, let's forget about that game and go to Jacksonville and play well. I think a game like last week at New Orleans is something that can resonate. Yeah, but the one thing I want to say, really the Raiders' defense didn't play porous against the Saints. How well can you defend a team You know, when your offense can't get past half field? At some point, you're going to get tired. The fact that they didn't give up less than 30 points, I think, is a miracle. And Derek Carr came out recently, and he said something about an injury. You know, I I'm not sure if I'm buying all of that. I mean, throwing into triple team has nothing to do with your back, and I think that's the biggest issue. I do think they're going to win today. This is just how the Raiders are, Brian. They're a seven to eight win football team, and they're going to win games like that every once in a while. I don't know. That, that's just how Raider Nation rocks. I've been seeing it, and I've been watching it since I was since I was born. I remember 2002, my first memory as a Raiders fan was seeing them losing the Super Bowl. So here we are yet again. Yeah, and and <sighs> Spence, I, I don't know. I don't know how to defend it. I don't want to be a negative naysayer with there this. There is at no all. defending. It's a reality. And, well, you know, there is because. It's, it's a new regime. You know, things take time. You know, you look for it to try to find, uh, for lack of a better term, the silver lining behind what we're seeing right now. And I just don't know where that silver lining is, Spencer, because, again, defensively, you just thought you would have you would have an overall better performance. I mean, even the la last couple of games, you know, Max Crosby is without question one of the best edge players in the National Football League. I truly believe that. But in the same respect, um, you thought – with 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 what the Raiders did this year, you just thought you would see more productive there. And I even think they're figuring out ways, you know, to double team him. He has like 10 different moves to get to the quarterback. But I saw last week in New Orleans, uh, they were neutralizing him a bit more than usual. And what do you think that teams will do seeing that based on offensive line play to try to neutralize a guy like Max Crosby a little bit more? Well, here's the real problem of this season, Brian. Chandler Jones was paid a boatload of money and the attention is being put to Max Crosby and Chandler Jones has had one good half of football this entire season. And uh, I think coach is back on. If you want to try again, Brian. Okay, let's try again. See if we can get this. Hey coach. Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me? There we go. We can hear you now. Boy, oh boy, tactical difficulties. Hopefully you don't have tactical difficulties tomorrow night in your uh, season opener. But I, I was saying beforehand, Coach, first of all, welcome to the show. Appreciate you taking time out on a Sunday morning, the day before your first game to talk to us. Um, you got to be excited. It's, it's here again. It seems like season just ended and it's here again, but that's how quick time passes. Oh, you know, very excited. Uh, but yeah, it does feel like uh, we were just talking and we had a long way to go, but now here we are about 36 hours away and uh but yeah no, a lot of excitement around here 
Tell me about this year's team, Coach. You got six returning players, um, eight new players, six of them based on the portal, Division One players transferring over here, here to UNLV. What can we expect this year from the guys you got? Well, I think, uh, you know, hopefully this group is is just has a better starting point, you know, and uh, last year I thought the group did a really good job of just getting better throughout the course of the year, getting more in sync with each other. And I think, uh, you know, this group uh, it's just get a little more experience. They got a little more game experience than the group we had last year from a starting point, um, a bunch of newcomers, but also joining a group, a, a core group of guys that were here every day last year and understand what daily life is like and the culture that we want to have here. So. Uh, I think uh, it's a, just going to be a group that plays really hard, competes, and uh, and has fun doing so. What is going to be basically when people come out to see this team this year? What can they expect to see? What are what are you looking at? Are we are uh, you know the emphasis? Obviously, emphasis is always on defense because defense wins championship. But what can people expect to see this year from your running rebels? I think just they're going to see a group that's really excited about about playing hard. Um, you know, a lot of guys, as you mentioned, those guys from the portal, they come in kind of hanging their hat on the defensive end. So uh, that, that's something that we know. There's no secret about it. We're going to have to be really locked in and 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 good with each other and for each other on the defensive side, um, because a, a lot of those guys weren't necessarily option A offensively where they came from. So uh, knowing that it'll be a group effort on the offensive end and then uh, just continuing to gel and, and grow defensively as the year goes on. Southern University tomorrow night, first game at the Thomas and Mack Center. Uh, hopefully we'll see a lot of students come out, check the game out tomorrow. But what are you expecting tomorrow against the Jaguars? What kind of game are you expecting? What are you expecting of your team tomorrow night? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this schedule uh, opening up with Southern is, is a great opportunity to, you know, the, uh, play a team that's used to winning, pick to win their league, um, experienced guys that that know what it's like to go, around the country play in a lot of different venues but uh also have an expectation of playing hard and winning and so i, I really like the the first night matchup against southern um, we're going to go against a group that knows how to play with each other and, and plays for each other and does really good job of doing that so uh i think it'll be it'll be a good fight and uh, i'm i'm just hoping that you know we, we understand the importance of getting off to a good start Coach, what have you learned now? First year under your belt as a head coach at UNLV, getting ready to start your second season. What would you say you've learned the most? I think just uh, as every year goes on, hopefully just learn a little bit more about the time budgeting and, uh, you know, managing where I need to be and when. Um, I, you know, of course, the, the top priority is doing everything we can to be there for the guys, uh, what they need, uh, help them out in any way we can on and off the court. But uh, of course, you've got to balance that and have have a good home life as well. You know, married now, two kids at home. I need I need to make sure they see me and they understand how much I'm there for them as well. So I think as from last uh, in November to this November, I think uh, I think I just learned a lot about where I can capitalize and maximize uh, time in in any direction, wherever that may be. And hopefully, that just continues to to get better, uh, so we can be you know better for UNLV. Final, finally, Coach, uh, do you think it helps getting to start first four games at home to play at home at the beginning? Would you rather do that, or would you rather mix it up a little bit and go on the road and home? No, I think uh, especially this year with the the way that Las Vegas is continuing to boom on the sports side, I think playing four games at home to start the year 
where, when there's a there's a good energy and excitement about basketball season starting, uh, it, it's a great opportunity for us to to get people into the Thomas and Mac before we before we hit the road and and show them that this is a team that they want to come root for and they want to follow throughout the year because I think this is a group that's going to continue to get better throughout the season. So I think uh, starting off at home, uh, trying to kind of get into a little bit of a routine before we hit the road is uh, is definitely good for us. And I lied. Last question. Uh, you know, did you think when you played at UNLV for your dad back back in the day, last time UNLV went to a Sweet 16, but did you think back then that here you'd be coaching years later and you and Las Vegas would have a professional hockey team, a professional football team? It seems like we're on the precipice of a professional baseball team. I mean, number one to you now that your family's here, how cool is it? You're back in Las Vegas, but now this is a legit sports town. Yeah, I mean, definitely wouldn't have thought that because when you know when when i was here there was all the the casinos were the you know the the anti everything sports related at that time so there was never going to be any serious talk about it and now of course with technology where it's at uh i think we're going to get the pro pro baseball i think we're going to get nba i think uh, in the next handful of years this really be will be the best city to be in in the country especially for sports it's the Mecca. He is Coach Kevin Kruger of the UNLV Running Rebels. Coach, looking forward to seeing you this year. Best of luck throughout this season. And and who knows, uh, my, as time goes by, this culture is, could be get back to where it once was. We appreciate you, Coach. Thanks. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. We'll be there. All right, that is Coach Kevin Kruger again. UNLV tomorrow night, 7-15 at the Thomas Mack. They play Southern U. Let's jump right over to the scooper, man. We've got uh, we've got the NFL Week 8 on the horizon. Uh, no real games that I'm thrilled about today. The only one that I like as far as watching goes, viewing, obviously I'll watch the Raiders and the Jaguars, but you got uh, one of the battles of New York. You've got the Buffalo Bills playing at the very surprising 5-3 and three New York Jets. Buffalo, of course, with the, the second-best record in the National Football League at 6-1. and one. That's going to be an interesting game, but that's not necessarily the game Scooper's picking. What do you got? It's time for the pick and parley. Let's hear it, Scoop. How we doing, sir? For the uh, pick, we're going to go with the uh, Washington Commanders. This is a team that can really uh, get ferocious up front and stop the run, put Cousins in some third and longs in his return back to Washington. And uh, we did send this out earlier this week to the text thread at three and a half. The current market's three. We'll play the push number. But for the parlay, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to uh, not include Washington because I'm not so sure they went out right. But three and a half is too good of a number for the parlay. We're going to go with the Tampa money line, the Miami money line, and the Arizona money line. Okay, so Tampa... Miami and Arizona all to win on the money line and the pick. And I like that parlay actually. And the pick today is going to be the commanders uh, giving up the three points or getting the no, three they, points. They're getting the three points, right? Get it, commanders getting, get, the getting the three points and the others. Scoop, we always appreciate you, man. I'm going to put my bet down on my way home. Thank you, sir. Good luck to us. Good luck to us, man. I appreciate it. Uh, once again, that is the scooper with uh, today's pick and parlay. And you got the pick, man. If you're looking for one bet, Washington Commanders and uh, take the points, man. Take the three. You got it. Uh, listen, we're just about out of time. Um, Spencer, any any closing parting words uh, or good wishes for your Raiders? I will hope that they win. If they lose, I will not be disappointed. Those are my parting words. But I think I can say that every week, my entire life for the Raiders. <laughs> Well, just again, I will say to all of you out there, be happy you are not a Detroit Lions fan. Once again, possessing the worst record in the National Football League and right now on, on currently on a five-game losing streak. 
bad, bad, and more bad. Uh, listen, I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line. I want to thank Kev- Coach Kevin Kruger for joining the show, UNLV Running Rebels. Also, the scooper for his pick and parlay. Always, uh, Chris Magnum Chapman back in studio producing the show. And Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski for helping me out. Here I am, Brian Feldman. Out of Line is Sunday morning every week. Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, uh, the flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.